Alright guys, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. This is it. This is week 8. Uh oh, collision in the aisle. This is week 8 of all of my best friends. You guys, honestly, I am kind of sad that this series is ending. But it's going to be good because our next series is going to be over the book of Jonah. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to go back to the Old Testament for the rest of the summer until our 8th graders leave us forever. Sad. I know. Well, I mean, they're going to high school, but to be corrupted forever, little heathens. I'm just kidding. No, Matthew chapter 7. While you're turning to Matthew chapter 7, let me ask you this question. Does your school go crazy for Red Ribbon Week? Yes, oh my gosh, I do. So let me let me explain. My school always did growing up. Red Ribbon Week is this week in October where usually some club in the high school that has something to do with like not doing drugs or like things like that, they'll sponsor it, and it's basically an anti-drug awareness week. So it's like don't do drugs, and that's like the big phrase for Red Ribbon Week. And everybody wears a red ribbon to like like pledge that they're not going to do drugs, basically. And our school, like, threw a massive party all week long for Red Ribbon Week. Like, we had dress-up days every single day. I mean, like, from kindergarten all the way to senior year. Dress-up days every single day. Competitions during PE. We had assemblies at the end of the day, like, three times in the week where we would have, like, like, like variety acts come in, all kinds of crazy things. By the time I got to high school, we did this really fun thing during the lunch hour for two of the five days. Uh, and I, I'm, before I tell you what this is, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't necessarily condone that this happened at my school, because um, I don't really know if it was right or not, if they should have, but this is what happened. So I had an English teacher in high school who would do this Mario Kart tournament in his classroom during the lunch hour for Tuesday and Wednesday or Tuesday and Thursday or something like that. But here's the deal, it wasn't regular Mario Kart, it was drunk goggle Mario Kart. Has anybody ever worn those drunk goggles that like they're not they don't make you drunk but they make your vision look like what it would look like if you had a BAC of like 0.8 to 0.1 or 1.25 that's insane the legal limit of the amount of alcohol you can have your blood is in your blood is 0.8% if you have more than that or that much I think it's that much or more and you're driving what it's like that drawing like googly eyes what I have no idea what you're talking about I do but here's the point here's the point it makes your eye, your vision look like what it would look like if you had, if one, if your, if your blood was 1% alcohol, which is a lot of alcohol to like make your blood that much. Like it's crazy. And these, these goggles would warp your vision that much. And what you would do is you'd put the goggles on and then you would race somebody in Mario Kart. And it was hilarious because people were like, you know, like running into the walls at the coconut mall and like falling off into the oblivion of space on Rainbow Road. And they'd just be like, ah, dang it, happened again. You know, and it was over and over and over again. But the reason it was funny and the reason why it was a thing was because our vision was altered while we were looking at the screen, right? And as our vision was altered, it helped. It made us completely unable to look at the track accurately and know which direction to go, right? We thought we're doing fine, and then we just hard, just hardcore right into the wall, you know, in the coconut mall, and we just we are like dead last, you know, seventh and eighth place for the two that are racing. Uh, but we we didn't care because we had a lot of fun, right? The whole point was our vision was altered and it affected our ability to see the direction we needed to go. And the reason I start there is because we are finishing our series, All of My Best Friends, in Matthew chapter 7 tonight, where Jesus talks about this kind of idea in everyday life all the time. And so we've been following this 
thing called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is explaining throughout the whole thing, if people act the way people are supposed to act, which is to say, once people figure out that they were made in the image of God and they start treating each other like that, this is what the world will look like, a.k.a. God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And it's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We've been doing it for eight weeks, and we're going to wrap it up in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This is not the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but it's kind of like the beginning of his ending section, right? Because the rest of what he says after this all comes out of these two verses. So we're going to read verses 13 and 14. We're going to pray, and then we're going to talk about it together. Y'all ready? Y'all got it? Matthew chapter 7 in your Bibles. If you don't, it's up here on the screen. We will have it for you. It's just two verses. Before I read, can I get two claps and a Ric Flair, please? Sweet. You are about to hear words from the God of the universe. This is not just some fun book. This is God himself. So you better make sure that whatever you're talking about is more important than hearing from the God of heaven and earth tonight. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. So, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Here we go. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. But then verse 14, how narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. Will you all pray with me? Father, we are expectant for you to, to work in us tonight, to change our hearts and to make us more like Jesus. We know, God, that, that we don't have anything apart from you, and so I pray that you would help us see that as we study your word together tonight. And guys, you guys, take a second, pray for yourself, ask God to speak to you, ask him to teach you something through his word tonight. And if you would, play, play. pray for me too, um, and ask God to speak through me, and ask him to use me and be helpful to you. Father, we love you. We're expectant, like I said, so please use this time. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I, I think when we read Jesus' say, say, statement, I, well, I can't talk tonight, statement in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, I think some of us in this room, we think we know what he means. Okay? And here's, here's what I mean by that. When I was in high school, all the people around me, we all lived in this town of like 3,000 people out in the middle of nowhere in Illinois. Do you know what was everywhere around us? Nothing but corn and soybeans and wheat. And so a lot of people in high school were like, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We can't drive all the way to St. Louis because that's two hours away. And Carbondale is another 45 minutes in the opposite direction where the movie theater is and all that kind of stuff. So this weekend, we don't have money to go anywhere and do anything. So in Pinkneyville, we're just going to sit here and we're going to drink out in the cornfield and have a party. And that's what they would do all the time. Now, I want you to think about your school. Right? In Weatherford, it might be pills and partying and things like that. In, in Millsap, it's probably vaping and, and those kinds of things. Brock probably has the same kind of stuff. I don't know what it is in your different schools, but I want you to put yourself in my position. For my school, it was drinking and partying out in the cornfields that everybody was doing that we all knew was wrong, but they did it anyway because they said that there was nothing else to do. So what is it that your school does that you do because there's nothing else to do? Put yourself in that position. Now, I was there, and I didn't do those things. I didn't go out to the parties. I didn't drink in high school. I didn't do anything like that. But I didn't do it because I loved them and I cared enough about them to start setting up other things for them to do and hanging out outside of that. I did it because, or I stayed away from it because I thought I was a better person than them. I thought, I'm not, I'm not going out to the parties. I'm not drinking and I'm not being that person because I know better than them. I'm taking the narrow road and they're all taking the wide road. And that's what Jesus means. And I made it about my behavior, right? I made it saying like, made myself say, I'm going to take the narrow road, which means I'm going to just not do what everybody else is doing behaviorally. And then Jesus will be okay with me. But the problem with thinking that way is Jesus never said that's how we're supposed to follow him. 
He never said, do all the things right and avoid all the bad things and then I will bless you. But that's what I was acting like and that's how I was living. So the reality was all of us were wrong, right? They were wrong because clearly it was, it's not okay to like give your life to alcohol in, in high school, right? But I was wrong because I thought everything was, was on me and I was going to do it all right and God was going to be happy with me. Both of those things are wrong because both of us were looking at our own lives and saying, I know what's best for myself. I'm doing what's best for me and everybody else better figure it out or they're wrong and God's going to be mad at them, right? Because they thought I was judging them so God would be mad at me for judging them, right? Honestly, there's a pastor named Matt Chandler from over in the Metroplex. He leads a church over there. And he said one time, if you say the right thing the wrong way, you're still wrong. You guys ever seen that happen before? Where somebody says something to you, but they say it like this, and it's true, but it hurts. And they're wrong for saying it like that, right? They yell at you, or they get angry at you in a way that they shouldn't be. They're still wrong, aren't they? When we think taking the narrow road means just not doing what everybody else is doing, that's kind of what we're doing. We may be saying it's true, it is right, to not go to those things. But Jesus doesn't care so much about what you do as much as he does about who you are. Do you get that difference? He does care about what you do, but he cares way more about who you are. Are you a follower of Jesus who knows that they're a sinner and needs him? Which would make you very humble. Or do you think that you got it all together and you're going to do all the right things for Jesus? Or opposite, do you think everything's a failure? Still looking at yourself. And that's what we're talking about tonight. I thought I was taking Jesus' narrow road by staying away from the parties and all that kind of stuff. And letting everybody know how wrong they were for going. But the reality was we were all wrong because we were looking at ourselves. When you have a target to look for, you have a straight line to follow. It really helps to have something to look at on the other end. Right? My dad owns a lawn care company. And when um, I was in middle school and high school, I worked for him and I would mow lawns for him. Um, started in the summer between 5th and 6th grade and did it all the way till between my, my freshman and sophomore year of college. So it's like 8, 9 years of working, mowing lawns. And he learned this from his dad who taught him in like the fields like planting corn and stuff like that. But it worked with mowing too. If we had a big, wide, open field to mow, you want your lines. In Illinois, the lines that you mow with your grass, like they're super evident like you can see where the mower went super clearly and if you're not careful you can make it look really really tacky and really bad um and so when we had big wide open spaces that didn't have a fence for us to follow or a house for us to follow or a sidewalk or anything like that we had to find something at the other end of the field and just look at it the whole time because if we kept looking at it we never looked away our line would be straight right but if we didn't at any point we might go off to the side and then our lines would be all over the place and it would be visible for weeks. That mistake would be totally easy to see for a long time. The thing is, when we're following Jesus, we think that the target is just doing everything right. We tend to, because that's why, that's why we get upset while we're trying to follow Jesus. Well, God must, must be mad at me because I sinned last night or I sinned today. He's going to be mad at me. I did it wrong. I missed my target. Yeah, you did. But that's not exactly how it works and how it functions in your daily relationship with Jesus. With salvation, yeah, that's right. You miss the mark, you fail, you don't do what you're supposed to do. That's sin, and that's what Jesus had to die for. But once you start following him, it's a little bit different. Sin literally means to miss the mark. Did you know that? If you were here during our gospel series, you know that because we talked about it, didn't we? Sin means to fail. It means to not hit the target like we're supposed to. But what is our target? What are we looking at? It, it can't be just doing everything right for God, doing everything right for Jesus. 
We actually have a, a slide for this next verse. It's in Titus, cha- verses, ch- Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Titus is towards the end of the New Testament. Um, and it is a really powerful letter. I all, Honestly, in 2020, we were going to go through Titus in the summer before the pandemic hit and we had to change our plans. But chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Paul is writing to a guy named Titus who lives on an island called Crete. And he's explaining to them what kind of people to look for when you're trying to see who is really following Jesus and who's not. So you can give those people responsibility to lead other people to follow Jesus. And here's what he says. He's talking about what Jesus did for them. If they get this, then they know. Jesus, in verse 11, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Verse 12, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. Do you notice what happened first here? There's two things happening. In verse 12, he talks about, like, behavior, right? We live in a godly way. We do the righteous things. We're living godly in the present age. But before that, something happens. Can you go back to verse 11 for me? What happens first in verse 11? The grace of God appeared, right? Jesus came, and he died, and he died for you first. And then you can do the things that he has called you to do. Do you see how that works? Just like last week, the order of the events is the important thing here. you got to get that Jesus died for you before you start ever trying to do the right things for him. You can't. The Bible says that even though we were still sinners, Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. Like, he did it anyway. Because he knew we were sinners. You will never behave well enough to convince God to love you. You have to convince your own heart that he already does love you. And then you can behave well. And that is that narrow road. It's not the behavior. It's understanding that Jesus is the only way. That you have nothing. Jesus' explanation here between Titus in chapter 2 and what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7 is that he is died in your place, and he's offering you a relationship with the God of the universe. And according to Titus, the way to do that is to recognize that you're enslaved to anything but God. Can you go back to verse 12? Because what Titus is saying here is when Jesus showed up and he started a relationship with you, he gave you the ability to deny godlessness, to deny worldly lusts, to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. That means without Jesus' sacrifice... All you want is anything but God, godlessness. All you want is the things that everybody in the world tells you to do. All you want is to live in a way that doesn't make sense when you really think about it. And how many times have I pointed out the way that we're doing things and I'm like, you guys are like, wow, that's dumb, that's stupid. I'm like, yeah, that's what we're doing, right? That happens a lot on Wednesday nights. Um, Righteous way, righteous means right, correct. Like the right way that, that God has. We don't want anything with that if we don't have God. Um, And then again, godly way, godlessness, that kind of thing. To Titus, the only way that we get this relationship with Jesus is when we realize that we are enslaved to anything without God. We have no self-control. We are beaten down, a.k.a. we are poor in spirit. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll come back to that in a second. Jesus' target here is simple. The narrow way is this. You've got a space to write this down anywhere in your notes. There's not a blank for it. I want you to write it down anyway. Jesus' target is trust God over yourself and you will find life. Trust God, you will find life. Anything else is going to destroy you. Narrow is the gate that leads to life. Few find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction and many people find it. Lots of people miss this line according to Jesus. 
You and your friends, I want you to understand this. You and your friends are on one of two paths. Either, number one, you trust that Jesus is wiser than you and that informs everything that you do, say, and, and, and feel between you and your friends. Either you do that or you don't. And there is no in-between. And I don't mean that like you always ever trust Jesus or you always ever don't trust Jesus. On each issue that comes up with you and your friends, everything you guys choose to do, everything you guys choose to say, you either follow Jesus' way or you don't. And Jesus' way starts with recognizing that he died for you. So I want you to ask yourself, start filtering some of the things that you and your friends have done in the last couple days. Maybe even just today. The friends that you hung out with. How many of those things that you did and you said with them agree with the, the kind of life that Jesus has for us? How many of them don't? My guess is most of them probably don't. Or if they do, it's not very much. Right? I want you to look at these two lists we're about to put up on the screen. Galatians chapter 5 is a place we normally go when we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. It shows us all of the things that if we have a relationship with Jesus, these things should be happening in our lives. But we don't often talk about the fact that before the fruits of the Spirit, it talks about the fruits of the flesh. Did you guys know that? It has a whole list of things that you should be seeing in your life if you're not following Jesus. So if you were having trouble filtering your, your actions with your friends through this filter of I trusted Jesus or I didn't, and we trusted Jesus or we didn't, here is your test, okay? If you didn't trust Jesus, this is what it will look like. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. It says, there may be, yeah, there's one more after that. The works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. Moral impurity. Promiscuity. Promiscuity means going around doing whatever you want just to make yourself feel good. Idolatry. Giving your affection and your time and your attention and your honor to anything but Jesus. Sorcery. That's straight up like... Witchcraft. Yeah, but the thing is, we let that into our lives more casually than we think. Anybody seen the show Lucifer on Netflix? There it is, right there, making light of the person who is completely anti-God. I mean, I'm not going to lie, like I've seen it. Like, I'm not just doing that to point you guys out and say, you terrible people for watching Lucifer. We're all messed up sinful people. But sorcery is like, ah, I'd, never, I'd never get into that kind of stuff. But we just casually let it into our Netflix viewing all the time. Right? Hatred. You ever get, you hated somebody in the last couple days? Strife. Strife means like you just can't stand that person. There's just, like almost it just feels like there's pure evil between you. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Hello, middle school. Outbursts of anger. Don't point fingers. Because the very next one is selfish ambitions. Yeah, that's what I thought. Dissensions. Factions. Factions means brokenness, separating from each other. Envy, which is kind of like jealousy. Drunkenness means giving your mind and your heart and your spirit completely over to something that's not God, right? Drunkenness. You completely remove your own ability to decide for yourself what you should do. That's scary. Carousing is kind of like promiscuity and anything similar. The actions that you and your friends have done in the last couple days, how does it stand with this list? Fake friends act like this. But real friends act like this. It's the next one. Actually, first of all, Paul has something to say about this after this list. He says this um, in verses 20, I think it's just verse 22. Maybe not. At the end of 21. Yeah, it's the next slide. He says, all of these things, I'm warning you about these things because I've already warned you about them before, um, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to finish this phrase for me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Hello. 
That's Matthew 5.3. We've been coming back to you every single week, is it not? And Paul is saying the people who continually practice and live a lifestyle where they're doing all of those things on the list before, they will not inherit what? That means your relationship with Jesus might not be what you think it is if you keep living like that. doesn't mean Jesus is going to drop you. If you follow Jesus, he's going to hold on to you forever. But think about this. You get married to somebody, but you don't talk to them for the rest of your life. Are you still married to them at the end of your life? Yeah, but how good is that marriage? Yeah, right? It's not going to be good. That's how that works with your relationship with Jesus. He's not going to just disown you, but you won't be as close to him as you, as you would want to be. Real friends live like this. Look at this. Galatians 5, 22 to 26. If you were following Jesus in these things, this is what it would look like. There would be love, joy, peace. You would be patient with each other. You'd be kind, good to each other. Faithful. You wouldn't back out on your commitments. You'd be gentle and have self-control. There is no law against these things. Interesting that Jesus says that. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You know, people who think they're rich, they only look at themselves. And this is where we're going to wrap it up, so I want you to understand this. Okay? This should be on there. People who think they are rich in spirit, they're only looking at themselves. Right? How good do you think I would do if I looked down at my shirt like this and then just tried to walk to the back of the room? How many people do you think I would hit? At least a few, right? As long as I look down the whole time. I'm looking at myself. Right? People who think they're rich in spirit might look up every once in a while and see the people around them and be like, oh, I'm doing better than them, so that's fine. But then they look right back down at themselves, right? And when you're looking at yourself, I want you to all look down at your stomach, okay? How many things can you see around you? In like your peripheral vision. Okay, hold on. Hold up, listen. Listen. Now look up. Can you see more? That's the point. That's the point. When you're looking at yourself, it is easy to think that you're rich in spirit because you just made your point of vision smaller and you filled it up with something that was small. But the second you look up, you realize that there's a, there's a lot going on around you that you're missing out on, right? Have you guys ever heard the phrase, you're missing the forest for the trees? No. Or you miss the forest for the trees? It's a pretty common saying, but here's what it means. Did you know that one oak tree can produce 10,000 acorns in a year? Huh? 10,000. And it can, on average, make about 200,000 leaves. That's insane. That's a lot to look at, right? If you focus on the one oak tree. But if that one oak tree is part of 10,000 oak trees in a forest, and all you look at is the one tree, there's a whole lot in the forest going on that you're missing out on, isn't there? There's all kinds of things. It's much more than just acorns and leaves. There are birds. There are deer. Raccoons and squirrels to laugh at, right? Because they're usually pretty stupid. Um, there are sometimes there are awesome views to look out over the cliffs, right? Or waterfalls to swim under, all that kind of stuff. You miss all of that when you're focused on only the oak tree, right? When you look up, you realize that that tree, as cool and as intricate as it is, is actually part of something much bigger than itself. Just like the people who focus on themselves, if they never look up, they will never see that God is doing really awesome, really big and powerful things around them. If your friends are constantly looking at themselves and they are constantly trying to convince you to only look at yourself and care about yourself, they are fake. Fake friends focus on themselves. Fake friends think that they are rich in spirit. That's your fake friends blank on your handout. Fake friends think that they are rich in spirit. But people who know that they're poor in spirit, 
They aren't looking at themselves. They're looking up at Jesus. And here's how this works. Okay? Listen. If my goal, my path that I have to walk is just down this aisle, then it doesn't matter if I go left or right to, to determine which one is the right one and which one is wrong. Here's what I mean by that. If I walk this way and I look down and I start to stray this way, at this point, I'm on the wrong path, aren't I? Yes. But if I went to the left instead of the right, I'm still on the wrong path, right? Narrow is the way that I'm supposed to go. Wide is the way that I'm not supposed to go. Do you see how that works? It doesn't matter which way you go. If it's not following Jesus and trusting that Jesus is all that you need, it's wrong. That's it. People who know they're poor in spirit are not looking at themselves. They're looking up at Jesus. They realize that there is a lot more in the world than just them, and they want to be a part of that. They do what it takes to remove the distractions. We good? We're already late. Don't make us later. Thank you. People who know that they're poor in spirit know that there's more going on around them than just themselves, and they want to be a part of that. They know God is doing bigger things. They find life every time they get their eyes off themselves and look at Jesus. Every single time. People who are real friends focus on Jesus. Real friends know that they are poor in spirit. Because it leaves them room to let the Holy Spirit work through them and be the friend they need to be. So I want you to look at the fruit of your life. If you focus on Jesus, you're going to see a lot more love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those will be more and more evident every day if you're focused on Jesus. If you're not, and you're focused on yourself, don't be surprised when you see a lot more hatred, a lot more anger, a lot more selfish ambitions, and all the other things on that list. There were a lot more than there were on the fruits of the Spirit, weren't there? But the ones on the fruit of the Spirit were worth way more than the other lists. So I want you to look at your friends. Take just a second. Everybody sit back. Sit up. Okay? Just for a second. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think of the people that you spent the most time around this year. The people that you spent the most time with. Do you honestly, genuinely, do you really want what they have? Think about the decisions that they've made that you were like, I don't know if that was great. But you went along with it anyway. And then they did it and people got hurt. Or they made terrible mistakes and got in huge trouble. Do you want to be a part of that? You guys want to know something crazy? This, is, this blows my mind. This is part of the reason why we did this series. At Brock, just a couple weeks ago, almost 100 kids in 7th grade and 8th grade failed a drug test because they are vaping. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Do you know what's different about Brock compared to the rest of the school districts? They got caught. That's it. That's the only thing that's different. Weatherford, it's terrible. It's terrible in Weatherford. Y'all are doing all this kind of stuff. Millsap, it's awful too. Peaster's got its own problems. Okay? People, listen to me. Do you honestly want what those people got? Genuinely. For real. Did you got to ask yourself, what does it take to get my eyes off of myself and what I want and what, get it on to Jesus and what He wants? Because you focus on Jesus, it's, it's proven right there. 
You will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we've got multiple adults in this room who've been doing it for years. And we can look back on our life and say, yep, it's true. Guys, if you would have told me, even just three years ago when I started this job, that within three years my wife would be pregnant with my son, I would have been laughing at your face because I would have been like, I made too many mistakes. I'm too stupid. I messed too many things up. But then I focused on Jesus for three years and he has blessed me and my wife with a son. It's crazy. There's a lot of love there, a lot of joy. And even if he doesn't make it, because sometimes babies don't make it. I'm not trying to say that he won't. I'm just trying to say that even if the terriblest, most awful thing could happen, happen, that's still there because Jesus has power over death and I will see my son one day. It's powerful. The point is, it doesn't matter how bad it gets, there's still victory. There is still love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control to be found. So you will have to give stuff up to follow Jesus. You've got to recognize that you're poor in spirit, but then you, once you do that, he starts filling your heart and filling your soul. It's up to you. If what they have is not Jesus, it will destroy you. It will. The choice is up to you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, we... We need you every day. More than most of the people in this room realize, God. I pray that you would help these students see their need for you. I pray that you would help them reach out to you. I pray that you would help them get what they need to spend time with you every day. If they need a Bible, God, let them take the paper one that they have here or grab one from the shelf. If they need a plan to read through the scripture, let them take the Gospel of John plan. Let them do whatever they need to to, to be closer to you, God. Guys, with your heads still bowed and your eyes still closed, if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've seen a lot of those things that we listed on the the works of the flesh and the fruit of the flesh, and you want a relationship with Jesus so you can start seeing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of the above. Would you just look at my eyes really quick? You don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want one. When I say you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it means that you've never in your life had a moment where you admitted that you were a sinner, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and and that's what gives you the ability to have a relationship with Him, and you've never confessed that He's your Lord. If you've never done that before and you want to, one more time, just look at my eyes. Okay, keep looking at me. Romans chapter 10, keep looking at me. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, say that if you believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and you agree with your mouth and confess with your mouth that He is the boss of your life, you will be saved. Your relationship with Him will start. So those of you that are looking at me, do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? you believe it's true? Do you agree that He's the Lord and the boss of your life? And just say yes. Cool. Your relationship with Jesus starts right now. That's it. It's all it takes. And you start spending time with Him every day, you will hear his voice and you'll see these things more often. You will start to choose your friends better. He will make you look more like Jesus and that's a good thing. Great thing. So, I'm going to pray for y'all. I'm going to pray for the rest of us in this room that have a relationship with Jesus already. Um, and then those of y'all who looked up at me, I want you to come see me just really fast, okay? At the end of the service, okay? I got some stuff for you. Alright? Let's pray. 
Father, we love you. You're grateful for the new life in this room. And I just pray that for those of us that do have a relationship with you, Jesus, whether it started tonight or it's already been for a while, I pray that you would help us see our need for you um, and help us reach out to you every single day. I pray that you would speak clearly to us um, and you would help us um, recognize our need for you in every single moment of our lives. I pray that we would all invite a friend to come with us to the luau next week um, and we would have a blast being the kinds of friends that you made us to be. We love you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.